Welcome to Adapt Nation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katazi, and today we're digging deep into red light therapy with biohacker and entrepreneur, Brian Gold. Have you heard of red light therapy? Have you seen pics all over social of influencers bathing in this seedy looking red light? Have you wondered what the hell is going on? Is this another gimmick? Well, we can help answer some of those questions and more on this episode. Brian shed some light, (laughs) excuse the pun, on the whole body benefits of red light therapy, a promising and scientifically validated technology that is quickly becoming a staple within the daily regimes of wellness enthusiasts. At its essence, red light therapy looks to replicate some of the powerful human benefits of sun exposure in a shorter, more intense session that fits into your busy modern lifestyles. We are, after all, photosensitive beings that are regulated by the daily rhythm of sunlight. And I think we all instinctively know that we feel mentally and physically better when it's sunny and we're outside. So, Brian helps us understand the biological mechanisms for why this is and how red light therapy leverages these same mechanisms. In this episode, we start off initially exploring Brian's personal wellness journey, including the profound impact the counterculture dietary choices he has made has had on his health and wellness. He shares how he found red light therapy and what motivated him to start a company in this space. And from there, of course, we get into the science and evolutionary logic behind the mechanisms and benefits of sunlight, red light, and infrared light. Of course, we get into loads of detail whilst also making it very practical in terms of how you can integrate red light therapy into your life. I will say, for those that want the most out of life, getting clued up on red light therapy just makes sense. It really is a true expression of self-optimization. And if after listening to this, you want to get involved, use the code ADAP10, that's A-D-A-P-10, at Red Light Rising's checkout for 10% off any units that they hold. Details are within the show notes. Of course, you can check out the full show notes of this episode by clicking the link within the description of this episode. And if this discussion resonates with you, please help others find our show by leaving a five-star rating or review in your podcast app and tagging us in a screenshot in Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Lastly, if you want to take your personal growth to the next level, then check out the Be Your Best Self-Optimization Journey, an online self-improvement program like no other, letting you in to the human code and helping you realize your full potential and be your best. More details and a podcast listener discount code can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's do this already. We have Brian Goal talking about all things red light therapy. Alrighty, guys. So today we have a qualified health and strength coach, biohacker and entrepreneur, and all-round self-optimization enthusiast, Brian Gull on the podcast today. Now, this guy has co-founded a company called Red Light Rising after seeing firsthand experience and benefits of red light therapy in his life. And since then, he's become quite an authority in this space. 
And it makes sense that we at Adapt Nation, knowing that we're all about self-optimization and self-discovery, look at this promising technology and its connection with nature. So, Brian, my man, welcome on the podcast. Steve, thank you so much for having me. It's always a great honor to be invited uh, to share some of my story, some of my experience, and of course, to um, help spread a little bit of knowledge about red light therapy. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Now, I know we had a little bit of back and forth ahead of this session, and we were, you know, I was expecting exposing my naivety of red light therapy and I know by the end of this session <laughs> I'm going to know everything I need to know but before we we go there and I'm very intrigued to really dig into some of the detail Brian why don't you give us a bit of a whistle stop tour of your journey because it's quite a, an interesting couple of decades from what I understand start from yeah. wherever you want to start sure no problem um, I think, you know, for me, my my health and wellness journey um, started at a very early age because I was very young and I was kind of, you know, obsessed with muscles and working out. So that was kind of the, how I got into the whole health and wellness thing. And I just kind of carried on exploring through my, my late teens and my early 20s. Um, and then, you know, things things were going well. I was on a regular diet, you know, a standard Western diet. I was, you know in decent shape. I was a little bit, you know, I guess looking back a little bit chubby. Um, but then in my early twenties, I got into vegetarianism and, you know, I know, you know, on your show, on your podcast, you talk a lot about diet and all that, um, which is obviously very, very important. And, um, you know, in my early twenties, as I say, I got into vegetarianism because at that stage I was, um, you know, still under the impression that was, uh, one of the best ways to eat, the healthiest way to eat, to get plenty of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds in your diet. And, you know, everything I was kind of looking at on social media at that stage was was also pointing towards vegetarianism. But then I got very, very sick. And I didn't realize that it was my vegetarian diet that was making me feel so unwell. Um, I was I was so mentally convinced that vegetarianism was the best way to be, you know, for for humans, that um, I, I I never it never dawned on me to to address my diet in, in the context of my failing health. So I went uh, carried on as a vegetarian for about seven years, even though you know I was I as soon as I went vegetarian I got started getting sick straight away. I started getting symptoms straight away, and and my major symptoms were uh, severe joint pain, excruciating joint pain. Um, some at some points it was so painful that I, I couldn't even hold the steering wheel. I couldn't drive my car because I, I literally couldn't close my my hands because the the pain was so severe. Um, and I had that in my knees, in my elbows, in my shoulders at different times for for sometimes no reason at all. You know, I'd, I'd be feeling fine and then get out of the car and suddenly my knee would buckle uh, and then I'd have a, a massively painful knee for, for two weeks. Um, so that carried on for about seven years, unfortunately, with, with very poor health and getting worse and worse with the joint pain and the, the digestion. Um, and then I you know, almost unconsciously, I kind of stumbled across bulletproof coffee and the bulletproof diet. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it, and I'm sure a lot of your your listeners will be familiar with it. But this is basically, um, it was like a very 
the bulletproof diet, in my opinion, is fantastic. Uh, and it's a it's a very easy diet to get into in terms of changing your your diet into a, a low carb high fat diet. So bulletproof diet is one of the forms of a low carb high fat diet. So I you know when I first read about bulletproof coffee and all of that, I heard about it and I thought this is crazy, man. Since when can eating this much fat be good for you? So you know so I read the book and I was like, wow, this it seems incredible. Then I read the Primal Blueprint and I started looking around at a lot of other health coaches and social media influencers that were doing this low carb thing. Uh, started finding a lot of doctors and researchers and scientists that were talking about you know, the, the glucose model versus the fat or the ketone model. Um, and because I was you know, in so much pain and discomfort and, and generally very dissatisfied with my health, I thought I would you know, give this bulletproof diet a try. So uh, anybody who's familiar with uh, the Bulletproof Diet and, and the creator, Dave Asprey, will know that Dave also talks a lot about biohacking, um, you know, alongside his, his Bulletproof Diet. And biohacking, very briefly, is, can be described as um, any practice or activity or protocol that you, that you do to change either your external environment or your internal environment inside your body to stimulate um, a more positive and, and beneficial outcome. So um, in the context of what we're talking about now, the high-fat diet, you're changing you know, the internal environment of your body to eventually shift from burning sugar as energy to burning fat as energy. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of um, you know, processes and biochemical changes inside the body when you do quote unquote, biohack your body in this way. Um, and another, you know, some more great examples of biohacking is fasting, um, you know, re re refraining from food for long periods of time to cause your body to go into fat burning mode and also cellular repair and healing. Another great example of biohacking is cold water therapy or heat therapy like saunas. And of course, um, what we're going to talk about today, red light therapy is something that was coming up a lot uh, with Dave Asprey and a lot of uh, the you know, extreme biohackers at that point. I mean, this is already five, six, seven years ago I'm talking. So you know, biohacking was very underground and red light therapy was virtually um, not heard of at all. So I heard about all these kind of things and slowly started trying them. You know, of course, a lot of biohacks are free and easy, like fasting or, or taking cold showers or getting the right kind of light in the morning and, you know, refraining from uh, blue light at night, for example. Um, so once I'd kind of got all the free biohacks under my belt and, and was implementing all of these into my life, um, you know, the next one was red light therapy. So red light therapy is a little bit different because obviously there's an investment involved. You know, things like cold therapy and, and fasting is, is easy and free. Um, so red light therapy was, I felt like I was ready to, you know, adopt a, a new biohack or a new uh, health optimization practice uh, into my life, into my routine. And um, just before, I was looking... Just before we get into that, if it's all right, Brian, just to slow it down just a little bit. So... Um, you spoke about kind of debilitating joint pain and chronic digestive issues through your um, long experimentation with being a vegetarian. 
you mm-hmm. then talk about a shift towards a kind of low carb, high fat diet. Um, let's complete that puzzle. Is did did you see did you see improvement? Was it gradual? Was it fast? Uh, when did you become convinced that um, your alternative life, lifestyle was a more productive, vital, and vibrant, uh, I guess, thriving lifestyle? Mm. How long did that take for you to see that and for you to accept that maybe some of your beliefs, because veg- vegetarianism has very strong held beliefs around its principles. That must have been mm. quite a difficult shift mentally, emotionally, psychologically, as well as physically. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. That that's a great point. Um, so I initially made the change very, very slowly because, as you mentioned, like I was, I mean, I refer to that period of my life now as my my vegetarian yogi identity, mm-hmm. because when I went vegetarian, I had to stop working out because I, I had such problems recovering after a workout, and I had so much pain that I just couldn't lift weights anymore. Um, and at the same time, I'd found yoga, which I really loved at the time. I still really love it. So I was, you know, I was the classic, um, you know, I was practicing yoga for a long time. And then vegetarianism came along and it seemed like I'd, I'd completed my spiritual puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'd slowly started eating uh, little bits of meat again. But I was still eating giant portions of vegetables. I was still having tons of, of juices and smoothies and all the powders and all the seeds because I still believed it was you know, the best way for me. So I slowly started eating, um, adding meat to my diet and my digestion got a little bit better. And, you know, I felt, I felt a little bit better, I guess, in general, but because I was still eating so many vegetables, um, I was still taking in, um, you know, certain, uh, compounds and molecules that for me, uh, were not working for my body. And then, and then, as I say, you know, when I got into Bulletproof and Bulletproof talks about lowering your carbs and, and excluding certain vegetables and increasing your fat. So I started doing that. I started reducing the vegetables and increasing the fat over, you know, slowly over a period of about a year until I was really at, you know, probably about, I guess, 80 to 100 grams of carbs a day, maybe something like that and, and, and way more fat. Um and, and that's when I really started noticing the benefits, when I significantly reduced my vegetable intake and significantly increased my fat intake. I started to notice the joint pain uh, would stay away for longer periods. My digestion started getting better. I had better bowel movements. Um, and I was just so excited and so happy. And then, of course, through Bulletproof, I found keto, which is, of course, uh, even less carbohydrates and even more fat. And then the improvement, the improvements just continued. As I reduced the carbs and the vegetables in particular, and increased the fat and increased the meat, uh, my joint pain became less and less of a problem. Digestion got better and better. And then about two years ago, uh, I went uh, full carnivore diet, uh, just eating beef, just salt and um, uh, black coffee. And that's when things just, you know, I hit 100% joint pain, completely gone. Uh, recovering from workouts is is so easy. I'm able to perform heavy workouts extremely regularly. Um, joint pain is gone and digestion is perfect again. So that, that final piece of the puzzle for me, in my experience, was a strict carnivore diet about two years ago. 
and I've never felt better. I've never slept better. I've never had, you know, as, as low body fat as I do and as, and as high muscle mass as I do. It's uh, truly a wonderful uh, thing to experience. Well, do you know what, Brian? Um, it, it's going to the word is going to start getting out that I must be some, uh, I must have some agenda because <laughs> almost everyone that joins these, uh, these podcasts at the moment has a similar story to tell. Now, yeah. you know, in part, maybe I'm attracting those individuals. But um, more importantly, I think the message you're offering is that there is some need for a paradigm shift in what we think about optimum human nutrition because mm-hmm. you're going against the grain in many ways in your diet and having done so for two years i think is um at least some acknowledgement that what you're doing is not harmful not only are you feeling mm-hmm. the benefits and ridding yourself of a number of issues but you're you're feeling vital and vibrant uh, on a diet that uh, quote unquote you shouldn't so i, I don't mm-hmm. want to spend too much time here because i want to get to our subject which is red light but it's just very encouraging and also um dare i say it (laughs) uh, looking like as if i've set this one up because i i I too am a low carb advocate and i'm i too am seeing benefits all around everywhere Mm. i look in my in my life through increasing my meat intake and reducing my vegetable intake Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense to general population and it sounds like as if there's some agenda. Um, but hey, when the agenda is health and vibrancy, I mean, you just can't ignore that. And I appreciate you sharing your story. I mean, is there any other part to it that kind of helps to throw some caution to, you know, the current paradigm of what healthy food is? Look, the message that I've kind of begun sharing is because, you know, when I was a vegetarian, I was very... I mean, I was a preacher, you know, because I believe so strongly in it. So I would go around telling everyone how wonderful vegetables are, how important it is to have smoothies and juices, how bad meat is for you, blah, blah, blah. All the while, my health was failing, <laughs> mm. you know, and I just I just didn't have the the courage is what I, I think of it as. I didn't have the courage to think that maybe this diet isn't working. So what I like to share with people now is, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't generally debate a diet anymore with people because, you know, I feel very passionate about it. But I just think it's, it's, it brings up a lot of, you know, issues for me because I, now I feel so passionately about eating a high protein diet. And then I, you know, I look back and I think, well, you've made this mistake already, preaching about your diet. So now when people approach me and they want to discuss it, and, and I just say, look at the results. Let's see the results. I can take off my shirt and say to you, this is the results I'm getting from eating an almost exclusively protein diet. Uh, my joint pain has gone away. My digestion is perfect. I've you know, shredded my body fat. My energy levels are through the roof. My sleep is incredible. I'm building muscle mass that I could only have dreamed of uh, you know, when I was a teenager in my early 20s. So these are my results. And then, I, and then I say to whoever I might be talking about, I say, how do you feel? How's your health? And people say, oh, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I'm, my health is great. My health is great. And then we dig a little bit deeper. And they go, oh, well, well actually, my digestion is, you know, it's not great. Um, I'm super low on energy. Um, I struggle to fall asleep at night. And then I go, you see, that's how close attention you need to pay to your health. Because uh, I think an issue a lot of us have is that we don't realize you know, what good health feels like. 100%. You know, we think that we think that if you have, oh, I have bad knees. 
you know, like, oh, well, that's just how you are, unlucky. It's like, well, you know, maybe having a, you know, a, a giant spinach salad isn't good for your knees, but it's, it's such a far disconnect. It was for me, and I think it still is for so, much, so many plant-based people. You know, we don't take into account that, you know, you eat a spinach salad, and then for me, like, I used to eat salads and then have joint pain an hour later, but I never, ever put the two and two together. Sounds like oxalates, so, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just what I say to people. I say, you know, if, I, if I'm talking to a woman, I say, pay very close attention to your cycles, pay close attention to your energy levels, your joint pain, uh, muscle recovery. How often are you spraining something? How often are you getting headaches? Like all these tiny, tiny little things that we take for granted, uh, take as normal, um, you know, could be because of, it could be, not necessarily, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying people need to be brave and courageous, especially in this time of, you know, the, the, the vegan propaganda is on, you know, maximum effect right now. Uh, people are feeling guilty. They're changing to plant-based diets without really, you know, paying attention to whether it actually works for them or not. Um, so that's just kind of where I stand on it. You know, be brave, be courageous. Um, you don't have to feel guilty about eating animals. If it comes down to your health, man, you know, eat what you need to eat is what I say. I agree. And I think your point there is just so, so perfect. This idea that we are, um, we are lowering the standards of what normal is, um, mm. because it's common, right? What the common experience is, is, is a moderate experience. And what you've just described is a, is a vibrant, uh, you know, full out experience of, you know, human life in terms of how you feel your energy levels, you know, the, the state of your body, how it moves, how, you know, how it performs. And that shouldn't be, um, uh, you know, offered only to, you know, a tiny fraction of people that are either super dedicated or are just, you know, genetic freaks. It doesn't sound like either mm -hmm. of those were, were you, what you found is a diet that allows you to be optimally human. And I think we should, we should continue to ask those questions. Now let's, let's pivot then. So we're, we're talking about these questions of living optimally, being your best. And at some point, red light therapy found your life. Talk to me about how you, decided to start playing with that and what the what the initial results were yeah so um you know like i like i mentioned a little bit earlier on you know i was reading a lot of dave asprey's work and, and a lot of other great um health leaders out there and they were you know most of them you know, they were very underground at that stage but they were all talking about red light therapy red light therapy so I started reading all the blogs and then I started, you know, looking at the scientific papers, which, you know, I'm, I'm by no means a scientist, but I started reading all these, you know, the science papers and, and, and kind of getting my head around how red light therapy works because it, it seems really strange at first. It seems like, come on, dude, like standing in front of a red light and you're telling me all these benefits, come on. So once I began to understand for myself and, 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 um, you know, read all these kind of articles and blogs and testimonials by, by highly respected people, I was then ready to start um, looking at getting red light therapy into my life. Um, and the first experience I had was, was with someone else's device, you know, another company at that time, there was only one in the world at that time. And, and I used their light and it was, it's so bright and it's so powerful. Um, and instantly I felt like it's, I describe red light therapy as it feels like a little bit of a, coffee, a caffeine buzz. You know, after a session, I'm, I'm always a little bit more energetic and a little bit more, you know, not, I don't want to say frantic, but I'm like ready. I'm ready to go. You know, like I can definitely feel the energy. 
So that was my first experience. And I was like, wow, I've, I've read about it. I've learned about it. I've tried it. Uh, I'm ready to buy. So I uh, you know, got on the old uh, website and the lights were just so expensive. I was like, oh my God. I just, I just can't justify that at this point. You know, I was living in London and London costs a fortune just to exist and then to, you know, invest in, in this, this bit of technology that was, you know, at the time it was about a thousand pounds for this light. And I was just like, oof, you know, like, I'm not sure I can do this. And around the same time, uh, one of my friends, uh, James Strong, who's, who's the co-founder of uh, Red Light Rising along with me, we were both like, no, man, look, you know, we're, we want to get into red light therapy, but that's way too expensive. So we decided to do a whole bunch of research and then ask around and look around. And uh, eventually we, we built our own light. So we made uh, three or four lights just for myself and James and one or two of our friends. And I remember clearly this was the middle of winter in London. Um, I was having a really bad time at that stage. I'd come out of a horrific um, uh, romantic breakup. My mood was in the toilet. I was doing a job that I really didn't like doing. I was a carpenter at the time, um, and I was just not having a good time in the middle of London, freezing, dark, miserable, <laughs> depressed. Um, and we got this light. So I was like, well, here I go. You know, like I decided for me, I decided to, to uh, insert red light therapy in my morning routine. So I started using the, the red light for uh, 15 minutes a day every morning, you know, after my shower, during my meditation. And within a few days, I was, I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel different, but within a few days, I remember I was walking down the street on the way to work, clicking my fingers, whistling, you know, I actually was, was dressed as if it was summer because I was just so warm. I didn't feel, you know, it was middle of winter, but I felt so warm and energized and happy. It's like seven in the morning. I'm on my way to work. And I was like, oh, and I realized, oh my God, I feel amazing. And I realized, Jesus, is it, is it this red light therapy? I mean, that's the only thing I changed in, that, in those couple of weeks. And I was like, oh my God, is it this red light therapy? Because of course, one of the benefits that, that uh, is talked about with red light therapy is an increase in uh, mood. Uh, an increase in you know the the the, the feel good hormones, the increase in the positive hormone uh, production, and I was experiencing this, and I was like, oh my god, is this a thing? Called up James straight away. I said, how are you feeling? And he said, man, I feel fantastic. My energy is through the roof. I'm in a great mood. Uh, you know, I have a, a higher tolerance to cold, and I was like, oh my god, I'm feeling exactly the same thing. And then you know, after we we spoke to our buddies that all had the same, you know, got got the lights at the same time as us, they were all like, "Yep, feel great, love it. This is going to be an ongoing thing for me." So that's when we thought, "Hey, man, this is really working. Like, we might be able to, you know, spread uh, the news of red light therapy to to way more people because it's so easy. It's uh, you know, short a short treatment time every day, and already it was having such profound uh, benefits for all of us that were using it. And then that was the birth of red light rising as we know it. Okay, that's very that's very compelling. It's an incredibly yeah. compelling thing. Let's let's start with maybe a grounding on on the science, and let, let's go back to nature first of all, right? So I'm I'm assuming I've got this right. Uh, Brian, please correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but it sounds like red light therapy is um, is looking to replace the inadequacy of sunlight that we get during our lives. You know, given given the fact that we're 
in houses or mm. within a box of some nature for most of our waking day, especially in places like London, as it gets into the winter, mm-hmm. you don't really see any sunshine. So it, is it, am I right in saying that out of the gate, what you're trying to do with red light therapy is increase uh, exposure to sunlight or at least some of the wavelengths within sunlight that are effective and, and health promoting for humans? Yes, 100%. You hit the nail on the head. Um, the one thing I will say is I don't, I don't tell people that this is a replacement for the sun. I never, ever say that. This is a supplement because the sun is you know, the single most beneficial form of light that humans can get. But of course, in uh, the northern hemisphere, we have long, dark winters. Um, so the optimal light exposure from the sun is is not possible for almost everyone. I mean, like you say, most of us are heading to work in the dark, coming home in the dark, uh, and in between that, sitting in artificially lit buildings, which um, for that amount of time every day is not great for our health. Uh, artificial light um, tends to be very high in blue light, which can be very damaging to the body for extended periods of time. So that's where red light therapy comes in. So when we, when I speak about red light therapy and when, you know, 99% of, of all the companies out there, when they speak about red light therapy, uh, we're speaking about two very specific wavelengths, like you mentioned. And the reason why uh, the industry has settled on these two very specific wavelengths is because they have been found multiple, multiple times in, in clinical studies to be the most beneficial for the human body. Okay, now these wavelengths of light also come from the sun, and that's one of the reasons why sunlight is so good for you. But as you know, and everybody else knows, the, the light that comes from the sun is full of many, many different wavelengths of light, all of most of which have very beneficial effects on the body. Of course, there are some issues like sunburn and, and, and skin cancer and all that, which is you know, a whole topic for another time. So red light therapy consists of two wavelengths. Uh, the first one being the red wavelength, which is me- light is measured in nanometers. So the two wavelengths that we use at Red Light Rising and is industry standard is the 660 nanometer, which manifests as red light. So when you see uh, all this cool stuff on social media, you see all these celebs and this and that standing in, in this amazing red light, that is the 660 nanometer, which is visible to the human eye as red light. And then the other wavelength that we speak of, we don't actually, we don't often say it, but it's included in that phrase, red light therapy, which is infrared light. Mm -hmm. Now, this light is measured at the nanometer 850, and this is invisible to the human eye. So again, whenever you see this this social media stuff, um, you'll you'll just see red light, but in 99% of cases, there's also infrared light, which is invisible, but uh, still has an effect on the body. Um, infrared light is, is very generally felt as uh, heat and warmth. Um, it's, a, it's a slightly different uh, scientific explanation, but infrared light is also what warms the body. So those are the two wavelengths we're dealing with when we speak of red light therapy. Okay. And uh, as, a, as a side, there, there's obviously this movement in infrared saunas. Are, the, are those using similar wavelengths as the, the infrared portion of your lights? 
So they're using light that is found within the infrared spectrum. Okay. But the infrared spectrum itself is massive. It goes from about, you know, from the late 700 nanometers all the way up to a million. So that's the think about the, the, the amount of different kinds of light from 800 to a million. And now infrared saunas. So this is, you know, this is a bit of a, a language thing. Um, infrared saunas are fantastic for your health. They're, they're just a different beast. They're a different thing. Uh, the infrared light that comes out of an infrared sauna is way, way, way further up in the light spectrum. It. So it's a completely different kind of light to what we're using. In red light therapy, we use near infrared light. And in infrared saunas, they use far infrared light. Uh-huh. That's a completely different beast. Very, very good for your health, um, but just has a different biomechanic, uh, biomechanical uh, uh, effect on the cells of the body. Okay. So let's, let's talk about that, the kind of bio, biological value. What's happening with our bodies and interaction with the sun and or specifically these wavelengths? I see in, in some of your literature, you talk about red light therapy is a little bit like... Fi- uh, photosynthesis but for humans as a, as opposed to plants which I love that analogy talk to me about uh you know the complexity or some of the some of the different things that are happening when we're interfacing with sunlight and specifically red light what's going on mm. so something that's very useful uh for your listeners to to bear in mind is that um when we speak of biohacking and even the the high fat diet we were talking about and and our red light therapy and sun exposure all of this makes a difference to our body and affects our body because we've spent you know by some estimates 2 million years evolving with sunlight cold heat uh, the different colors of the sun um and you know f- the availability of food at different times, um, we've evolved over the last 2 million years into what we are today. So we are light sensitive creatures. Um, and, uh, you know, very briefly what that means is, you know, if you can imagine, you know, the hunter gatherer sleeping in the jungle or sleeping in the cave, as soon as the sun comes up, that little bit of light hits the skin, hits the eyelids. And because we're photosensitive, that kickstarts a whole bunch of uh, bio uh, biological processes in the body. So sunlight wakes us up. When the sun uh, when the sun hits the skin and the eyes and goes through the eyes into the brain, that that uh, intensity of light, the early morning light, tells the brain that it's daytime, and then all the daytime processes kick in. Uh, the same with evening sun. Uh, in the late afternoon as the sun sets and it goes through all those beautiful colors, when those colors go into the brain, that tells the brain that, okay, well, the sun's going down, darkness is upon us, therefore we'll be, the brain starts the melatonin production and lulls us into deep sleep. So that's, that's a very simplified um, explanation of, of why light is so important. And what's incredible about red light therapy is that we discovered that red and infrared light has the unique ability to do two very important things inside the cells of the human body. Um, Red light and infrared light does a lot of different things inside the body, but the most repeated and the most replicated uh, mechanisms that that the scientific community has found is two things. 
The first one is an increase in cellular energy production. So when red and infrared light penetrates the skin and then the muscles, the, the bones, the blood, the organs, the eyes, the brain, um, the entire body, it causes an increase in cellular energy production. Um, and that sounds great when you say it, but when you think about it, so if all the cells across all the systems of my body have more energy, what does that mean? That means they do their job better, they do their job quicker, and they do their job with you know, more optimal results. Because, I mean, if you think about it on the macro, if you wake up full of energy, you generally have a great day. If you wake up low on energy, oh, you know, you're dragging yourself through the day because you just don't have, you literally don't have the energy to do what you want to do. And that goes for your skin, your muscles, your blood, your organs, your eyes, your brains. Uh, everything has cells. Everything has mitochondria. Therefore, everything benefits from this increase in cellular energy production uh, brought, to, brought upon by the red light therapy. The second Massive, uh, massively important thing that we found uh, in the human body is that when this light penetrates uh, the cells, it also causes a very, very tiny kind of hormetic stressor. Uh, and a hormetic stressor can be defined as, you know, you, you go, you do a workout. You work out, you stress your muscles, you break your muscles down, and they therefore grow back bigger and stronger, ready to take on the challenge again. Red light therapy does the same thing. It gives you a very, very, very small hormetic stressor throughout the cells, and that causes them to come back stronger um, and to be more prepared with uh, those anti-inflammatory enzymes that will get released into the blood, and the, those, anti those natural anti-inflammatories will then flow throughout the body and uh, just tackle inflammation wherever it may be throughout the body and the organs and, and, and the brain. Okay. Okay. So I'm hearing a couple of things there. So first of all, there's some interaction with our mitochondria, which is really like our energy energy production system within ourselves uh, mm -hmm. with red light, which is exciting them or, or creating more energy. Secondly, you speak mm -hmm. about uh, this ability to be somewhat of an antioxidant or hormetic stress and being able to support uh, the active recovery and kind of... Mm -hmm. um, uh, anti-inflammatory activities in our body. Uh, I guess thirdly, what I heard from you is that there is a circadian benefit, which seems obvious when you say it, which is, you know, light mm -hmm. is, you know, we're responding to the light and we have a set of hormones that ebb and flow throughout the day in response to daylight. And you're trying to replicate mm -hmm. some form of daylight. I'm guessing the early rise and the sunset, you know, they're, they're the hues mm -hmm. that I guess are being replicated. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. So it's there. There are some uh, subtleties with with what you just said. You're 100 percent right. Please correct but me. But so, no, you know, you're 100 percent right. So what happens is so, th there's a number of different protocols uh, that you know I've kind of come up with myself, and you know, it's it's not necessarily unique and original by me, but I'm just speaking on my experience and how I use it. So, in the context of red light therapy in the morning, let's say. This is currently um, how I'm using my lights. I, you know, I use them multiple different ways, which we'll get into. So in the context of the early morning. So if you're lucky enough to be somewhere where you can be awake and watch the sunrise, you're 100% right. You're going to see those pinks, oranges, a little bit of reds. And then obviously it goes into the blue and the white light as the sun comes up. So with the morning and in regards to circadian rhythm, if you use red light therapy in the morning, that's perfect. 
as long as your red light therapy is then followed by white light or ideally sunlight because then your brain knows, okay, I'm sensing this red light. Is it sunrise or is it sunset? It. it must be sunrise because after the red light is the bright light, the bright white light which comes from the sun. And then you go through your day um, experiencing the different, if you're lucky enough to, to have access to great sunlight, you experience all the, the very subtle changes in the color of the light as the sun moves across the sky. And then, of course, we get to sunset. So this is where red light therapy uh, comes into play again in terms of circadian rhythm. So around sunset, you see the, the, the reds, the oranges, the yellows, the purples, and then the blacks because then it's nighttime. So there is no light. So in, in, in the context of circadian rhythm um, and using your light in the afternoon, you're, you're simulating that, that red sky, you know, that sunset sky. That red light is going in your eyes and it's going to your brain and it's telling your brain that there's, there's a massive reduction in blue and white light and a massive increase in red light. Therefore, it must be sunset. Therefore, I'll begin melatonin production in the brain and slowly begin to shut down the organs and all the other systems so that the body can fall into sleep. But of course, um, you know, if you're using red light therapy as a circadian enhancement, it's important then after your red light therapy in the afternoon to then limit blue light afterwards because, of course, your brain is expecting it to be nighttime. So if you do red light therapy and then go play on your phone for two hours, your brain's going, it, it, must be, it, it must be morning. Yeah, it must be morning because there's all this blue light. So in the context of the circadian rhythm, it's very important to, after your red light therapy, then have some kind of a blue blocking protocol in your home or, or in your life. Stay off your devices. Uh, let your body just naturally lull itself towards sleep, like, of course, is naturally supposed to do. So, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does make sense. And whilst you were speaking, um, I'm guessing there are many people that are nodding their heads going, Do you know what, I just, I, look, it's a sunny day. It's a rare sunny day in the UK today. <laughs> uh, we've got we've got all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff happening in the world at the moment, but we've got the sun out. And the mood, my mood, my kids mood, my wife's mm. mood, I know has dramatically improved in just one day. Now we're getting exposure mm. and visibility of those colors and we're out and the sun's hitting our skin. I actually walked out. It's like eight degrees, but I walked out without my top and just, you know, just kind of drenched in a bit of sunlight because I've been deprived of it for so long. Um, so we all know instinctively that we have a bit of seasonal affective disorder in the winter and mm -hmm. pop. We are we love it when the sun starts coming through in spring and summer and then it gets too hot. Mm -hmm. We have to moan about that, of course. But yeah, then we moan <laughs> about that. Exactly. But, but Never we, happy. we respond positively to the sun. So it, it's not too much of a, a leap of faith to hear what you're saying around some of the kind of mood enhancement benefits of engaging with sunlight and going out, Do you know, what? I'm gonna feel better. But I guess there's a disconnect. There's a there's a bit of a um, cognitive disconnect between Okay, well, that's the sun in the sky, and it's white, and it's bright, and these kind of red, kind of uh, a little bit seedy-looking <laughs> lights mm -hmm. I've got in my house. Like, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. Art, that also, that's artificial light, and it's uh, electronic light, and there's EMFs, and there's all that kind of stuff. Like, talk me through how you kind of connect those two pieces. I mean, what does the science say around you know, how similar the effects are with red light, light bulbs, and the sun yeah so um you've got a great point there and you know and it's 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 kind of difficult to talk about the benefits of red light therapy uh, in isolation 
of um, you know everything else that affects your body. Because what, what I'm learning, what we're learning as a community, what um, the scientific research is starting to release is that everything gets better once you've optimized your circadian rhythm. And your circadian rhythm is optimized by light primarily and by food. Um, and when I say food, I'm talking about the timing of food because your body can only do um, one or two processes at the same time. So uh, just a quick example, you can't, your body can't sleep. And, you know, sleep is a very, very active process. You know, just because we, we think of ourselves as being knocked out and being comatose for eight hours a night doesn't mean there's nothing happening. You know, you're, you're, we know that our brain is very, very active during sleep. We know that our organs are all very active during sleep at different times um, and doing different things, you know. So um, in the context of your question there, um, you know, the, all the, like when you were talking about your mood, your mood is controlled by hormones, okay? Your, your feel-good hormones, your stress hormones, your dopamine, your serotonin, your cortisol, your adrenaline, and your hormones are all controlled by circadian rhythm. And your circadian rhythm is controlled by light. So that's why you said like when it's sunny and you get outside in the sun, this light is going in your eyes and telling your brain that it's daytime. So your brain is, is shutting off the nighttime hormones, the melatonin, and it's increasing the, uh, the adrenaline, the feel-good hormones, and the cortisol because it benefits you as a human being, as a functioning human being, to be in a good mood in the morning when you wake up, right? Because you've got to, you've got to go through your day. So that's, that's why our, our, our bodies have evolved to, to work in the circadian rhythm and our bodies have evolved to get bright light early in the morning to kickstart these feel-good hormones so that you're in a good mood. You can, you can positively affect uh, the people around you. You can, you can happily go about your day's chores. Um, and then the same at the night, you know, with, like we said, with the red light therapy, when, you're, when your body gets those signals, it then shuts down the daytime hormones and turns on uh, the nighttime hormones. But the problem that we're having now with technology and, and things like that is we're, we're being absolutely flooded with blue light. Because, um, you know, a few years ago, everybody went, you know, society in general went crazy for LEDs because they're cheaper to run and they last forever, apparently. I mean, you and I both know they don't because the amount of times I have to change the LEDs in my kitchen is unbelievable. Um, but these lights, unfortunately, uh, due to their nature, uh, it's, it's not a balanced spectrum, you know. So the human body has evolved with the, the spectrum of the sun. Because for millions of years, the only light we had was the sun and the fire at night, you know, when, when we got around to discovering fire. And so we've evolved to, to uh, go through our, our, our lives with the, the, this very certain balanced spectrum of the sun. But now, of course, you put all these LEDs in, they're very, very low uh, in the oranges and the yellows and the, and, the, and the red light, and they're very, very high in the blue light. And blue light is the, the get up and work uh, signal to the body, right? So if you're, if you're sitting in your kitchen having dinner with your family at, at 7 p.m. at night, it's dark outside, um, but inside it's, it's incredibly brightly lit. So, you know, you might be physically preparing for sleep, but, you know, with all this blue light coming in, your, your, your brain is like, no, 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 it's daytime. It's daytime. So you, you might have too much adrenaline, too much cortisol um, flowing through your body right now because of this light signal. That's the key, the light signal. 
uh, is instructing your body um, what time of day it is and therefore what processes need to be working. And just to be clear, we're, we're not just talking about light hitting our eyeballs, right? We're talking about light hitting our skin. Because mm-hmm. I, I guess if, um, if it was just the eyes, we could trick our, our, our body into doing all sorts of things just by staring at the right light uh, just into our eyes. So I think, you know, when, when you see people with like these, um, you know, the, the sad um, lamps in the winter, you know, those kind of, they look at a lamp during the morning as they're waking up to try and wet themselves up if they're in a in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, I've got these things called Valky uh, human chargers, which are like lights yeah. that kind of go into my earbuds. Do they do something or not? I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, there's some there's some legitimacy behind their claims of gaining access to light into our body, this time through our ear canals. But your mm-hmm. lights are not just targeting the eyeballs. Neither does the sun. So talk to me how red light is, uh, you know, is, is it interacting with the human body outside of our eyes? I, I guess that's the question. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we know now that most, if not all of our cells, are photosensitive, which means they're sensitive to light. So you're right. I mean, you can you can close your eyes, cover your eyes with a sleeping mask to keep all the light out of your eyes. But if you're sleeping, you know, I don't know, let's say you're in some kind of a situation where you're sleeping in a, in a well-lit room, but you're covering your eyes, that your skin is still sensing mm. that white or blue light. I think uh, people know spend- that. People know that yeah. instinctively if they try and sleep in a well-lit room, even in the morning when the sun's come up and they're trying to get a couple more hours, it's really difficult, yeah. isn't it? Even if you put like, you know, um, put um, an eye mask on. Yeah, exactly. So our skin is, is photosensitive. So, you know, with red light therapy, um, it's, it's actually about the penetration. It's the depth of penetration. So um, just for a bit of context for, for people listening, what is what we found to be the case with red light therapy is that the red light is generally very good for the skin and the hair. Red light is is more for the surface of the body and about about one centimeter. It's been shown to penetrate the body up to one centimeter. So that's just through the surface of your skin and maybe it's penetrating a little bit into the muscles. And then so all the cells that this light is moving through at that depth is receiving this light, uh, and like mentioned before, this is this is an energy stimulation um, that these cells are receiving. So it's just like you know you eat a meal, the food gets broken down, gets broken down into its its smallest possible molecule, and then that molecule gets fed into the cells, and the cells turn that molecule into energy, uh, into what we call ATP, which is the you know the the the, the final energy molecule that all the cells use. And infrared light, the, the other wavelength of light we use, does the same thing, except it penetrates a lot deeper. That's what's so wonderful about infrared light. So infrared light gets in deep into the muscles, gets into the bones, goes through the skull, into the brain, goes into all the organs, and it's doing the same thing. So it's, you know, it's, not necess- it's, not like, it's not light in the sense of uh, I'm shining light on my skin and that's telling, me, telling my brain that it's time to wake up. It's, it's penetrating deep into the body and you know, going into the mitochondria. And in this long biochemical process that happens inside the mitochondria, turning certain molecules into energy, this, uh, this light energy kind of uh, 
slots itself into one of the processes that happens during that energy production and replaces um, a non-essential process with an energetic production process in the body. So... um, does that answer your question? I'm not you know, sure. it does. It does. It's it's fascinating stuff. I guess it's a little hard to grasp because it is quite, mm. um, yeah, it's uh, somewhat elusive, right? It's it's hard, it, It's not a necessarily well well uh, studied and oh, that's the wrong word. It's not. Yeah. It's not common knowledge, right? No. Uh, and therefore, I think it's it's easy to discount this idea that sitting in front of some lights is going to be of, of particular benefit but i just want to kind of call out some of the benefits that i've heard of and maybe you can kill off some of these because I, I, mm. I we, we've spoken at a biochemical level some of the things that happen mm. in you know eyes skin hormone production we know that when when sunlight specific rays of sunlight hit our skin it creates um, the, the process creating steroid hormones, which in turn creates vitamin D. You know, there's a lot of goodness that some people have just fully unequivocally nod, nod the head and say, I understand that's valuable for me for my health. But mm. when I kind of flick through some of the benefits attached to, I guess, getting in the sun and specifically the use of supplemental red light, I've got things such as reduced muscle soreness, improved recovery, reduced joint stiffness, improved sleep, mm-hmm. increased hair growth. Increase mm-hmm. hormone production, which would make sense. Improve the circadian rhythm, which just makes sense. We've just spoke about that. Healthier skin. I'm interested about that. Um, and just generally increased energy, cellular energy, as well as potentially supporting longevity, as well as fat loss. There's a lot of stuff going on here and healing and all that kind of stuff. I've just mentioned a whole kind of slew of things. Which are for you need further exploration or should we talk about a little bit more to try and give the the why or the how behind some of these benefits so i mean you, you bring up such a great point there and your point is that as well it's like it gets it, it can be so sciencey that it's you know people can just be like oh man look i don't understand like what's going on here so the important thing to discuss and I mean, we can discuss every single one of those points that you you just brought up, and they're all um, they're all scientifically proven, um, and most of them are proven in my own experience, which I'll, I'll go into that. But every single one of those boils down to what we discussed previously: an increase in cellular energy production and an increase in natural anti-inflammatories in the blood. You know, that's why it can. When you, if if I give someone a list of what red light therapy uh, can potentially do for the human body, it just seems like, come on, dude, like you're you're telling me everything gets better. Is that what you're saying to me? And that is what I'm saying because of increased energy, uh, cellular energy production. So, you know, whether you're talking about you know the hair growth, which I've experienced uh, in my own experience, um, and how I noticed that was that my eyelashes are longer than they've ever been. You know, and it's, it's nothing that I care about and it's nothing that I'm actively trying to promote. But when you you can't do red light therapy um, and say, oh, I'm, I'm just doing it because you're not. Because because when this light hits your body, it's it's benefiting all the processes of your body. Even if, you know, like we get a lot of uh, females that want to they just want to improve their complexion. You know, of course, I get, is red light therapy good for my skin? Yeah, it's great for your skin. It's great for hair growth. Uh, it's great for rejuvenating your eyes. It's great for repairing muscles. It's great for repairing wounds. It's great for uh, optimizing your hormone production. Um, it's great for sleep. And it's like, yeah, whoa, 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 okay, but I just want it for my skin. Well, you can't isolate it out <laughs> because 
um, you know, like I said, everything, when your muscles have more mitochondrial energy, they are able to synthesize protein better. They are able to produce, um, you know, the, the recovery molecules to rebuild the muscles. They get an increase in um, uh, blood flow. They get an increase in microcirculation, which is the exchange of all the vitamins and minerals from the blood into the cells. Um, they increase the speed at which lactic acid is shuttled out of the muscles to be processed. So all of that's happening at the same time because all of those processes already exist. You know, the muscle, the muscle repair after damage already exists. The, the blood flow already exists, but it's getting a, it's getting a, you know, kick up the butt. It's getting an increase in, in energy to do the job better, more efficiently and faster. So, you know, everything that you've mentioned is 100% true. Um, and if we, if we took apart every single um, mechanism and every single process, the final, you know, the, the place we'd end up is, oh, it's because of the increase in energy production. Or, you know, in the terms of if it's, if it's some kind of an anti-inflammatory benefit, it's, oh, it's because of the increase in anti-inflammatories released by the cells under the conditions of red light therapy. So that's... I was just going to say it's, it's it's an incredible list of potential benefits, and I guess if we were if we were to to not make this about product and not make this about technology, mm. the, the 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 really the, the real point here is we need to get more sunlight. Generally, I mean exactly. that 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 really is the solution. Is we need exactly. we need to spend less time in boxes and more times out there in nature. Even if you're in an overcast day, there's still significantly more sun and sun rays and light specific spectrums of, of of the wavelengths that are hitting you that you just cannot replicate when you're in a box which we exactly. offer almost all of our all of our waking lives at least in kind of western cultures so w- would i be right in saying if you already live in a um in an environment somewhere in the southern hemisphere or somewhere which just really is just gifted with lots of sunlight throughout the seasons um would you say something like this is less needed if of course you get out and actually engage with the sun and you're out and about um i wouldn't say it's less needed but you just the the benefits that you're going to reap from red light therapy in in those sunnier climes is just going to be slightly different so you know if you're if you're living like where i live uh, in a beautifully sunny country um i use natural sun to optimize my circadian rhythm right so i get early morning light as soon as I can. I spend a lot of time uh, with minimal clothing in the sun throughout the day. Now, I'm very careful not to get sunburned because, you know, that's that's an important uh, differentiator that, that you just, uh, you know, in regards to your question. Um, you know, obviously the, the natural sun is, is a much better place to get all the beneficial wavelengths, but you can still supplement uh, great sunlight with red light therapy because with red light therapy, you're just getting those beneficial wavelengths without the UVA, the UVB, the UVC, and all the other crazy light rays that come from the sun, oh, okay. which, in, which in tiny amount, amounts are fine. But you know, if you're sun tanning all day and, and, and blazing yourself in the sun, you're, you're getting some DNA damage from the UV, the UV rays and all that. So there's so, no there's I mean, no sun sunburn potential with the use of uh, high quality red lines. Absolutely not. There's no UV at all in our products. 
Um, there are one or two other companies out there that are including UV. Um, it's you know there's a lot of benefit to UV. We do need UV, but I think getting it from an artificial source is, uh, you know, in my opinion, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert, but getting it from an artificial source is, you know, unless it's very very controlled in, in a medical setting, it's it's not something I'd be interested in. Um, yeah, there's there's absolutely zero risk. Uh, associated with red light therapy at this stage. There are, uh, at, at last count, about 4,000 scientific studies on uh, what red light therapy is doing to the body, and there's no negative side effects uh, that have come to light at this stage at all. Um, of course, anybody with serious medical conditions, you know, particularly something like cancer, uh, there's, there's, nothing, there's no negative uh, side effects associated with cancer and red light therapy, but of course, you must speak to your health professional if you have any serious uh, health concerns. But outside of that, if you're of, of general well or general wellness, red light therapy is a very, very powerful tool in in your in your toolbox, um, in your wellness toolbox. You know, I always say to people, you know, um, you know, I've I've had incredible results over the last two years. Um, you know, specifically when I changed my diet and when I started incorporating extremely consistent red light therapy. But I'd be I'd be being dishonest if I said to you, oh yeah, red light therapy, it's the be all and end all. Uh, do this one thing and get great results. You know, you're gonna you're gonna benefit from red light therapy no matter what you do, um, and no matter how many different health protocols you have in your life. But in my personal opinion. The more health protocols you can have in your life, the more benefits you're going to get, the more red light therapy is going to help you because, of course, if you're already sleeping great, you're already eating great, you're already doing great exercise, a red light therapy is going to make all of that even better. Um, but if you're not getting good sleep, you're eating junk food, you're watching Netflix until midnight every night, you're going to get benefits from red light therapy, but you're also going to be writing to me going, hey, bro. I haven't gained any more muscle since X, Y, Z. You know, it's, it's, you know, any, any health protocol, any wellness protocol is holistic. You need to do anything that you can practically do to improve your health while at the same time decreasing uh, toxins and negative inputs into your system. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, I think many people would not try and argue that, um, you know, what's the, the one wellness protocol let me just follow that right if i just said okay you need to eat in a, a certain way but everything else if you don't do that it's fine you're going to be optimally well if you don't sleep <laughs> if you don't exercise at all if you don't yeah. move generally if you don't get in the sun it doesn't matter as long as you're eating fine you're going to be perfect people know instinctively that is not the case people mm -hmm. also know that there's a kind of cross benefit from one protocol to the next right you you work out and it can be a keystone habit that encourages and, and fuels your life to do other things right both the stoicism and the dis discipline helps drive further kind of momentum and confidence and courage in your life but on top of that just the act of moving the endorphins the, the anabolic state of exercise just cascades in your life and i think what i'm hearing from you is hey red light is not the be all and end all it's not the one protocol that fixes everything but it's uh it's part of a, a balanced approach to trying to live well and I think exactly. that's, that's an honest and also still a compelling argument because I think instinctively we all recognize that we should be getting out more. We should be mm -hmm. in the sun more. And if we're not because our our society, 
um, hasn't kind of been constructed that way or there isn't a lot of sun in specific months of the year or we've just got a busy lifestyle that you know really doesn't offer Mm. us the chance to be out much then what do you do what are the alternatives and it sounds like red light is a is a good supplemental alternative not alternative Mm -hmm. good supplement to a, a life which perhaps is um heavily restricted with outdoor access Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, r- red light is um, red light can benefit um, a, a lot of the a lot of the things that you mentioned there. Red light can just add a you know a couple of extra points onto that. So you know, for example, if you're not sleeping well due to having to stay up late at night or get up really in the, early in the morning, um, red Red light can be a somewhat of a band-aid for that. You know, red light, you know, in a in a very in a re- very real sense, can offer you a little bit more energy to help you get through the day. It can help your you know your hormones that will be struggling from the lack of sleep just perform a little bit better. But it's you know what's what's a good analogy here? It's um, I guess it's um, I don't know. It's, it's it's trying to put a band-aid over a problem instead of getting to the root of the problem, you know? So it, it would, will help in the short term, but in the long term, behind the scenes, if you're, if you're chronically sleep deprived or you're chronically eating a lot of processed food um, or, or, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol or any of those kind of other, you know, common destructive habits, you know, on the surface, you'll, you'll, you'll feel a little bit better for a while, but behind the scenes, you could be developing it's some kind a of a lifestyle. Exactly. It's still a, a lifestyle disease uh, in the making, unfortunately. So um, I was, I was, just, know, I was just going to ask, uh, Brian, you spoke about there not being really much in a way of risks. Um, is, is that a genuine statement? I mean, is there is there wavelengths, quality, intensities, uh, time, um, duration? Is there, is there a way of abusing this therapy and making it a net negative for your health. Yeah, there's there's nothing that uh, has come out of the scientific community yet saying that it's there's negatives. There's only neutrals, right? So in with regards to uh, the amount of time you spend in front of the light um, you, with our devices, now there's there's a bit of a, a mathematical uh, thing we need to go through where you you take the power of the light, so how much energy is being produced by that light. The distance you stand from it, which dictates how much, you know, how quickly that energy gets absorbed by your cells and the amount of time. Okay, so there's a, it's a relatively complex equation, which is, you know, publicly available uh, on the internet that anybody can have a look at themselves. But with the power of our lights and the distance that we recommend, you only ever need a maximum of 20 minutes a day. And while we say a maximum of 20 minutes a day, it's not because after that 20 minutes you start to do damage. That's not the case. It's just that your cells have absorbed as much of that kind of light as they are able to absorb in any one moment, and therefore you're just wasting your time. Okay. Right. And then there is there is a little bit of evidence that you start to get diminishing returns. So you're, you're spending the time uh, getting red light therapy, but the, the, the benefits are starting to decrease once you go over that 20 minute mark. So the only warning is it's, don't waste your time. 
is basically what it boils down to because especially if you're busy, especially if you're looking for ways to um, to add some uh, healthy practices into your light into your life, uh, red light therapy only ever needs 20 minutes a day, uh, you know, 10 minutes in the morning, let's say, 10 minutes in the evening, uh, or a little bit more. Either way, it, it's you know, it's plus or minus. It's not massively detrimental, but you you know, with with the power that our lights have. There's never any reason to be spending more than 20 minutes in front of the light. You can, of course, use uh, our devices as uh, ambient light, as peripheral light. Okay. Especially in the evenings, you know, like, you know, like, especially in the winter in the UK, it gets dark very, very early, but you still need to do stuff. You need to cook. You need to look after the kids. You need to prepare for the next day. So you can use our lights uh, to shine it into a corner or to shine it somewhere in the room where it's not directly on your body, but it's lighting up the whole space with very, very bright red light. So you're still able to do your tasks, but your brain is the whole time getting the message, oh, it's sunset, it's sunset, it's evening, it's nearly time for bed, it's nearly time for bed. And then, you know, like we mentioned earlier, once you finally are ready for bed, you switch off the red light, you're hopefully in complete darkness, and then your your sleep can proceed as normal. So okay. th- there's no um, there's no health risk associated with red light therapy at this stage. Okay, that's interesting. What what about um, shining them on your balls? <laughs> so I've heard the <laughs> likes of Ben Greenfield, who you know, would be plugging away doing this stuff at his desk, and you know, he's he's quite yeah. the biohacker, right? I know mean, he's he's gone full tilt on pretty much everything um, yeah. from stem cells and all sorts of random. But one of the things he swears by is the use of red light. Uh, panels and and i know he said he went through a period i don't know if he still does where he almost straddles a light <laughs> in the morning get get some of these red lights onto mm. his ball sack and apparently uh that's helped uh, aid and assist his increase in testosterone um any any kind of legitimacy to the idea of being butt naked in front of one of these devices yeah look i mean it's there's it's, there's a little bit both ways you know because there's the last time i looked um, there was very, very limited scientific papers uh, on the, the increase in testosterone by, by shining the light on the testicles. Um, it was a bit more of a cautionary thing because, you know, the red light does give off a very, very, very little bit of heat. But there was concern that that little bit of heat on the, on the testicles, you know, might not necessarily be a good thing uh, for male fertility. Now, interestingly enough, red light therapy and infrared is, is great for female uh, fertility, which is, you know, a slightly different ball game. Um, but myself personally, I do uh, expose my genitals to red light <laughs> therapy. Um, not not in every session. Um, you know, I just I just not not for any particular reason, but I just don't always take off my pants. I certainly pull them up to get to get my quads and my hamstrings and and my glutes. Uh, some red light therapy. But like you say, uh, Ben Greenfield is an absolute authority on health. He swears by uh, seeing an increase in his testosterone production because of red light therapy. Paul Saladino, I know, is is someone I follow a lot and and really enjoy his work. He he says the same thing. Um, So, you know, as far as the anecdotes go, these are two guys that, um, you know, are certainly uh, in a position to be trusted so as far as that goes, you know, I, I, we don't personally recommend it with ourselves because, you know, we'd like to be 100% sure that we're not causing any testicle problems to any men out there. But like you say, Ben and Paul both do it. So, you know, I, I, I let the listeners make up their own decision, you know. And what about can it penetrate through clothes? So if you're, you're standing in front of one of these um, 
and let's just be clear for the audience, we're talking about a panel of red lights, right? Bulbs on a <laughs> on a, on a panel that you sit sit in front of. Yeah. Um, do you do you have to have you know direct skin exposure, or can you have light clothes and can it still penetrate? Um, direct skin exposure is always uh, the best way to go, so that you're getting the full. Um, the full amount of the light hitting your skin. Uh, the, the red and infrared light does penetrate clothing very, very, very slightly. So it's, it's you know, if you're thinking I'm going to get a quick red light session, I'm, I'm not going to bother taking off my T-shirt. Well, you're just, you know, you're, you're not doing time. yourself any fa- You're wasting your time, exactly, you know. So, you know, in the, it's always better to get the, the shirt off, you know, if, if the females can find a, a private area where they can get some ex- skin exposure, um, it's fantastic. The, what the, what I always recommend to people is when they say like, "What's the best way to use it?" I say, you know, unless you're targeting, you know, a, a, a torn bicep or a sprained knee or a twisted ankle or a painful lower back. Um, the, for me, in my opinion, the best places, uh, and these lights are big enough to cover this area from the top of your head all the way down your face, over your throat, over your chest, all the way down your gut, and then over the genital area and the quad area, you know, whether you choose to expose your genitals or not. But for me, in my opinion, that's the best bang for your buck because you're getting that red light through your eyes, through your skull, into your brain. You're getting it on your face. It's very good for the oral microbiome. It's very good for the teeth. It helps the teeth repair themselves a little bit quicker. Um, Very, very good for the throat and the glands that are present in the throat. And then, of course, the chest, the heart, the lungs, uh, the intestines, the gut, red light, infrared light has been shown to be very beneficial for the microbiome in the gut. So as a general practice, I tell people face and organs down to your genitals is the best uh, is the best way to uh, get your red light therapy. Of course, it's slightly different if you're like, look, man, I'm about to run a marathon or I'm about to have a heavy squat day. What do I do? Then I say, yeah, get the get the light on your legs, on your calves, on your knees, on your hamstrings, because locally you're going to be increasing the blood supply to those muscles. Okay. You're going to be increasing the microcirculation, and you're basically giving those muscles a heads up. You know, things are going to get heavy. Um, let's get the blood flow going, and then of course you go into your big squat day or your marathon or your hike, and you've got a, a nice little uh, increase in the in the processes in those muscles that need to be working well to give yourself a, a little performance boost. Oh, I like that. I like that. One last question, man, and we'll kind of wrap this one up. Is um, uh, I'm thinking about jet lag in particular so traveling around um Mm. and i know many people have a variety of different protocols they follow to try and assist with recovery from jet lag on their return so whether it be you know not sleeping on the plane being hydrated trying to Mm -hmm. you know artificially sleep at, uh, at different times for that time zone to you know offset the changes through to maybe using these kind of valky human chargers and then various supplements uh, there's there's a whole slew of things that people do uh, in an attempt to try and manage their jet lag can your lights support that process at all yeah absolutely i mean um so it's it's again it comes back to not only energy production so if you're you know you're you're in the middle of a jet lag and you're just feeling a slump you know, that's, that can really help you in that sense, just helping your body produce a little bit more energy because, you know, your body might think it's supposed to be sleeping, but you've actually got to go to work. But that's when the circadian rhythm optimization comes in, right? So now, like like helping with jet lag, like you say, like that sleeping at odd times to kind of rebalance your circadian rhythm, there's, 
there's definitely a little bit of calculations to be done there in terms of where, to, when and how to sleep and, and when and how to expose yourself to light, which, you know, off the top of my head, you know, it also depends which direction you're flying yeah. in and how long you're flying for. Um, there's some really incredible apps out there that help you readjust your time zone. Uh, one of the apps I use is called Time Shifter which, you know, you, you put in your flight details and then it tells you when to take caffeine if you're into caffeine and also when to sleep and when to expose yourself to bright light and, and when to keep yourself in absolute darkness running up to your flight and then, you know, for about a week after your flight. So when I have used that app, which is, you know, it's called Time Shifter, I also use the human charger like you've mentioned, uh, which also has an app. And then I let those apps guide my light exposure around my flight. And when the app tells me, oh, you should uh, get, get to bed at, at this certain time today, that's when I will bring in the red light therapy. Because if, if my app tells me, let's just pull a random number out the air, it tells me, oh, you should really go to bed at 5 p.m. today to, to kind of rebalance your, your jet lag. Then I'll use my red light at uh, 4 p.m., let's say. I get a good dose of red light to simulate the, the sunrise if I was seeing a sunrise. And then I blue block after that or I shut myself into a dark room and I try and get the sleep at the appropriate time. So, yeah, in, in regards to jet lag, um, it, it's worthwhile figuring out um, what you need to do to rebalance your circadian rhythm. Um, and then you can slot in the red light therapy at the quote unquote appropriate time for a for a fake sunset if that makes sense it does man it does you have been uh, a true pleasure and a, a fountain of knowledge it's been really really enlightening and uh quite excited to talk about this new technology it's definitely been on my radar for a while but after hearing you speak about it it, it i feel more compelled to to give it a crack so before we kind of close on um bit of a bonus for our audience is there anything that i hadn't asked that you wish I would have or any you know final points that you'd love to make just to kind of wrap a bow around this yeah I mean there's one of the biggest questions we get is like how to use it you know so that's something you know it's, it's unfortunately it's a case-by-case -case basis you know so you know like we've discussed already on on the on this podcast it's like what are you using it for and then I can explain a little bit better um, how to use it. So I'll, I might just share with you really quickly how I use the red light um, in the context of my own experience. And then okay. you know, listeners, listeners, listeners can uh, apply that to their own lives. So at the moment, because I'm very, very lucky to be experiencing uh, great health because of you know, not only my diet, but a massive focus on sleep and red light therapy. I use my red light therapy um, predominantly in the mornings. So I wake up, I um, get that early morning sun as soon as I can. I head to my red light therapy space and I do some foam rolling. I do a little bit of gentle yoga. I do a little bit of gentle reading. And then, you know, well, I actually, then I switch on the light and I stand in front of the light and I target my face and my chest, uh, all my organs, and I do a little bit of reading. Um, while I'm doing that. So I'll do, you know, my front, you know, just say 10 minutes on the front, 10 minutes on the back, getting, you know, both sides of the organs uh, and the spine, of course. And uh, that's my 20 minutes. And then I'm good, good to go for the day. I immediately go to my workout after that. I like working out in the morning um, and I do a nice big workout. So, you know, in, in the context of how I use the light, it could be described as a pre-workout red light therapy. 
because it uh, increases the blood flow to the muscles, decreases the inflammation around the muscles, helps uh, detox uh, the muscles if there's any lactic acid uh, left from the, the previous day's workout. And of course, if there's some, uh, some residual muscle pain from a workout. So it's, it's my, my protocol is technically a, it's a pre-workout, but it's also, it's also a post-workout because I do it you know, roughly you know, 24 hours after my previous uh, workout. So that's how I use my light. Um, you and don't again, use it in the evening? Um, very, very uh, seldomly. I use it in the evening as the ambient light. You know, so when I when I start preparing for sleep, you know, I'll be blue blocking uh, in the early evening with some blue blocking glasses if I'm working on the computer and all that. But when I'm preparing for sleep, it's you know, it's a it's almost like a ritual. Uh, switch off all the devices, all the blue lights go off, all the artificial lights go off, and I just use my my red light as um, as an ambient light. So I can still function, I can still do stuff, but I have this bright red light in the room which enables me to see. But at the same time, is sending messages to my brain that, hey, it's time for bed, so calm down. So that's how I use it. Nice. That is incredibly useful. Thanks for sharing that, Brian. Cool, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for today. It's been a real eye-opener. Um, I know you you were hooking me up with um, an opportunity to try out one of your devices. So what I think we should do um, is to give me a, a crack at that, and then perhaps we, we can have a, a short... Um, follow-up discussion just to see you know my personal experience uh, you know both being honest um and with me being the human guinea pig that i am for this show uh, i'd Beautiful. love to be able to report exactly how i feel um but i'm optimistic about that so that's exciting but on top of that you have been generous enough to be able to offer our audience a bit of a deal on your devices so do you want to just explain what that is and explain how people can yeah. use the incentive Hundred percent sure. Hundred percent. That's um, you know, for your listeners, uh, exclusive deal for the listeners of your show and and your community and your network, whoever you choose to share with, they can get a, they will get a unique discount code, which is A D A P ten, the number ten one zero, A D A P one zero. Uh, and if they choose to invest in red light therapy with red light rising, they can go to redlightrising.co.uk. Um, we have amazing blogs there. We have a bunch of other podcasts. We have a bunch of videos. There's a lot of resources there. Um, they can look through that. They can contact us uh, with any questions they have. And if they choose to invest, then they can use that code and get themselves a 10% discount uh, on any light they desire. Fantastic. And as a proximate price range, what are people looking at as an investment uh, window? So we've got the, we've currently got three different lights, um, different sizes, and they all will bring you the same quality of light and the same quality of uh, healing benefits that we've discussed, but they're just, you know, one's a lot smaller than the other. So for example, we have uh, the target light, which is 12 LEDs, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's the size of a spotlight. You can stick it in your handbag. You can stick it into a bedside lamp. Um, and that is 95 pounds. Then we have the next light up, which is the half stack, which is, it's about 60 centimeters tall. Um, quite a big, robust device. Uh, it's got 100 LEDs. Um, so you're getting, you know, you're getting a, a bigger area of coverage than you would with a target light, which is, 
um, obviously desirable to have have more skin exposed to the light. And that is uh, 495 pounds at the moment. And then we have the our flagship device at the moment, which is gigantic, 1.2 meters tall, very, very big device, 200 LEDs, and that's uh, about 795 pounds today. Uh, and people say, well, well, which one should I get? And I always say it's it's budget and space consideration. You know, if you can, if you have the space and you have the budget, go for the biggest light you can afford. Because in the same amount of treatment time, you're getting a much bigger um, area of coverage over your body. Therefore, you're getting more cells stimulated to produce more energy. You're getting more anti-inflammatory stimulated and you're getting more benefits in the same amount of time. The smaller lights will still give you great benefits. Just It's just not as, like, not as potent because you don't have uh, as many uh, chemical reactions happening inside your body because of the, the less uh, area of coverage. Got it. Perfect. Great. Thanks for clearing that up as well. Right. Um, last awesome. question. Is there any, well, where can people find you, uh, you know, follow you online? Is it just the, the website or do you guys, are you active on social as well? Absolutely. Social media is perfect. Um, the, red, the, the website is, of course, redlightrising.co.uk. That's the website. They can find uh, us on Instagram and Facebook at Red Light Rising. Um, and then they can also, if they want to you know, follow my own journey and my business partner, James Strong, who, by the way, is an incredible fountain of knowledge as well. Uh, he's got a slightly different uh, experience on things uh, than I do. He's, he's, he's a brand new father right now. So he's a super interesting guy to, to follow about you know, how red light therapy is helping him and his, his wife and his new baby uh, get, get some sleep during this time. But they can find their way to both my social media and James's through the Red Light Rising uh, Instagram and Facebook at Red Light Rising. They'll be able to follow through to my page. You know, my page, of course, is it's not only about red light therapy. It's, it's everything else that I do yeah. uh, in my life to, to stay on tip-top condition. Fantastic. I'll make sure I'll provide all of the links that we just mentioned today so people can easily Amazing. get through to those. Cool, man. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of the week, the month. Hopefully the world starts to calm down and we start to stabilize uh, given yep. uh, some of the conditions we're dealing with. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your entrepreneurialism and your leadership in providing this technology to the masses. Um, I wish you all the best. And yeah, I can't wait to ca uh, get back in touch after my experience with your lights as well. 100%. Steve, thank you so much uh, for inviting me on. Always a great honor, always a great pleasure. And uh, I hope you and I hope your listeners enjoy uh, what we've produced. Awesome conversation. Awesome guy. And just loads of great knowledge in that episode. Hopefully you agree with me. And I tell you what, it's a little too early to say, but a week and a half in to using his unit so far. And I must admit there, there seems to be something in this red light, subjectively, emotionally and physically, but I'll give you an update in a few weeks time. But until then, do yourself a favor and get out in the sunlight. Enjoy the beauty and the powerful benefits of just exposing your body and your skin to sunlight for as much as you can. We do live in boxes for the majority of our lives. We need to get back out and engage with that beautiful thing, which is nature.
Hopefully this and every other episode you've listened to so far proves that we are all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health and mindset. We want you to be your best. And to be your best, you need to invest in yourself. So do go check out the Be Your Best self-optimization journey. The details are in the episode notes. It is a fantastic, unique, and exciting program of self-discovery, self-optimization, and self-actualization. I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it, but irrespective, I just want you to make the most out of your life. So I'm gonna let you go now, and you can crack on and be your best. If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.